Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In 1 John chapter 4, the Apostle John declared, quote, In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment, because in this world we are like him. Do you have a confidence and certainty for the day of judgment that when you stand before Jesus, things will go well for you? Do you have a lifestyle of growing love for Jesus and for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you growing more mature and complete in your love? Let's open our Bible now to 1 John chapter 4 that we can know what it means to have a greater confidence in the coming judgment based on our growing, sacrificial, and Christ-like love. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Wednesday morning here in Texas and uh, man, it's a beautiful day. It's crisp. It's just a good day to be loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, growing to know Jesus, growing to love him, and above all, growing to obey him more and more, growing to be like him. So thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, uh, Lord willing, we'll finish 1 John chapter 4 today. Um, we're looking to do verses 13 to to 21 and uh, just, uh, just good stuff. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives, Father. We thank you that we have our Bible, Father. We thank you for this book of 1 John. We thank you, Father, for the technology that we get to do these teachings, Lord, and they can be shared. Father, but above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a, a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live. We thank you for dying a torturous death on our behalf that we should have died. And we thank you that you're alive and risen. We worship you today, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, 1 John 4, verses 13 to 21. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Wow, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, um, just good stuff here. Look at verse 13. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. So the Holy Spirit lives in every genuine believer, okay? When you became a Christian, right? When you received eternal life, 
spiritual life, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus came in and regenerated your spirit, became one with your spirit. Your spirit was, was dead because of your sin, right? And, your, and, and the Holy Spirit, when he joined himself with your spirit, gave you an explosion of life. You not only had natural life, but then, then you came into spiritual life, eternal life, right? Remember, eternal life is not just a, a quantity of life, it's a quality of life. And you became a child of your heavenly father. God the Father became your, your heavenly father. And now John says, we know that we live in him. You know that you have life in Christ and Jesus has life in you because he has given you of his spirit. You actually have the spirit of God living in you, convicting you and consistently pointing you to Jesus. You ought to be experiencing the life of the Holy Spirit living in you. Okay. You know that the spirit of God lives in you when you are, when you, you know, when you're consistently thinking about Jesus, when the spirit of God is, is, is giving you a nudge, an emphasis, right? A concern for Jesus, a desire to please him, a desire to be like him, right? A desire to, to pray, right? A desire to engage. All these things are, are led by the Holy Spirit, uh, a conviction over your sin, right? When you and I, you know, uh, think thoughts or say words or behave in a way that's 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 contrary to the Word of God, that's disobedient. The Spirit of God convicts us, and you ought to experience that that grief. You ought to be dissatisfied about the sin in your life, right? Verse thirteen: We know that we live in Him. We have life in Jesus, and He in us, right? It's not just that that we live in Jesus, Jesus lives in us and he lives in us by his Holy Spirit because he has given us of his spirit. Verse 14, and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. We talked about this in Bible study yesterday, had a solid Bible study with the uh, the kingdom discipleship leaders. We're, we're excited, we're, we're going on our yearly retreat um, just to spend time in the word of God and have fellowship. And we're doing that this uh, this Friday to Sunday, so we're looking forward to that. But in Bible study, we talked about this verse. John says, and we have seen, we, he means himself and the other apostles who wrote the New Testament, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And this ought to be the pattern of our lives. Do you have a pattern in your life, can you see a lifestyle that when you see something in the word of God, when you understand something, John actually and the other apostles actually physically saw Jesus and they testified that, that, that the father has sent his son, God, the son, Jesus to be the savior of the world. So he saw that physically, but when you see things, when you understand things, do you have this habit of doing what you're seeing John is doing. John has saw Jesus. He saw him physically and he's testifying. He has testified since he saw Jesus. He's written five books of the Bible that, that Jesus is the son of God and you know how we're to live our lives in light of that you know, as, as Christians who have received Jesus as savior, as sons and daughters of our heavenly father. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. So again, when you learn something from the Scriptures, when you get a new revelation, 
when the Lord gives you eyes to see something you didn't see before, right? In the word of God, when the spirit of God leads you in a certain way, right? Do you testify about that? Are you eager to share that, right? And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Are you eager to testify when your heavenly father shows you something, when you get a new revelation, when you're growing in Christ, when you're walking with with Christ, when you're experiencing the presence of Jesus, when you, again, when you come to know him in a more deep way, are you eager like John to to testify to, to what Jesus is doing in your life? We ought to be consistently testifying to the work of Jesus Christ in our life. Verse 15, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in him and he in God. Okay, so one of the ways to examine yourself and know that you're a true Christian, okay, is that that you are consistently acknowledging Jesus, okay? And again, I've said this before, you can't just make up your own Jesus, okay? Do you have a habit of consistently acknowledging the biblical Jesus, what the Bible teaches about Jesus, what the Bible teaches about why we need Jesus, because we are in a sinful, hopeless, desperate, helpless state, and that without Jesus, only the wrath of God the Father and eternal hell awaits us. But in Jesus Christ, right, that God, the son, the son of God, Jesus became a human man, entered this world, lived a perfect, righteous life on your behalf, died a torturous death on your behalf and has been raised from the dead. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, is that the habit of your life? Do you have a habit of consistently acknowledging, not that just one time somewhere, or when you go to church, right? You ought to have a lifestyle of acknowledging Jesus, of confessing Jesus. For if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in him and he in God. Not only do you have eternal life, but the more fullness of life you will have, the more you truly acknowledge Jesus, the more you talk about Jesus, the more you look to please Jesus, right? Verse 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. So again, here's another test. How much are you living in the love of your heavenly father? How much are you living in love toward your heavenly father, looking to to please him? And it's the same as looking to please Jesus, right? Remember, we have one God, one being, three separate distinct individual persons, God the Father, God the Son Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. To live in love means that we look to live in a way that's pleasing, right, in in obedience to each member of the triune God, that we're growing in our devotion to our Heavenly Father, to Jesus Christ our Lord, and to the Holy Spirit. Um, We're we're growing in in living a more, more holy, a less sinful life, and we're growing to be more Christ-centered in everything. We love them, and we know we love them, that we try to please them in the way we live our lives. But, but as an extension of that, you know, there ought to be a love for your brothers and sisters in Christ, right? And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. So again, 
to know that he loves you so much, right? The responsibility for that, right? God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. So again, to live in love means to have a lifestyle of, of living and emulating Jesus Christ, of walking in the love of Christ because you're relying on his love, right? When you think about the love, that Jesus has had for you. When you think about the ultimate picture of love, we wouldn't know what love was if we didn't have the cross. Remember, genuine biblical agape love, okay? It's the Greek word for love. That's the love of God, which is, it's a sacrificial love. It's a selfless love. It's an other-centered love. It's a love that loves not because of, but in spite of, you're not loving because you want something, right? You're either loving someone in spite of them, right? It's, it's a sacrificial love. And the ultimate picture we have of that is the cross, where when we were terrible, horrible, sinful, despicable, wicked people, right? Jesus came and loved us, gave his life on our behalf, even though we were, we were utterly selfish and self-serving, right? This love of the cross, this sacrificial love of the cross is what it means to live in the love of God. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. And again, the more you live in this love actively, moment by moment, day by day, live in the genuine love of Jesus Christ, our Lord, the more you emulate that, the more life you're going to have, the more exciting your walk with Jesus will be, the more full, right, uh, that you're going to experience his presence, the more you'll see him moving and, you know, not physically see him, the more you'll experience him moving in every aspect of your life, right? And we know and rely on the love God has for us. Again, do you, are you fully relying on the love of what Jesus has first done for you at the cross, right? And then even as Christians, after we've become Christians and we're saved and we have eternal life, we, we, we have a lifestyle of relying on the fact that our heavenly father really does love us in whatever problems or difficulties or trials. And I, I failed in this this morning. My wife and I were, were praying and we were, you know, I was frustrated over some physical challenges she's having with her back. And, and I was just, I'm just unhappy about it. And then other people being sick, um, and I was just telling that and I was confessing that to, uh, to my heavenly father that I'm, that I'm agitated about it. And, uh, but, but I do know that he does love us unconditionally and everything that he either causes in our life or allows is really for our benefit. That's hard to see sometimes, right? Verse 17, in this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. These are, these are very well-known verses to those who have been churched and been around church a long time, okay? And they are profound, okay? Um, in this way, love, verse 17, in this way, love is made complete among us, okay? So as you grow and mature 
in, you know, in your walk with Jesus, as you become a more mature disciple in Jesus, that happens as you grow in love, as you genuinely grow in sacrificial love, again, first toward your heavenly father, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, in your relationship with the triune God. And then as you grow and mature in your sacrificial, you know, selfless love toward others, the more complete love will become in you, the more the less lacking will your love be, okay? And this way, love is made complete in us. How does our love mature? By living in love, right? Remember the last verse ended, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. 17, in this way, love is made complete among us, meaning it's not, it's lacking. It's a, it's a mature, growing love for your heavenly Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and for other believers, and even people who are not believers. Again, this type of selfless, selfless, sacrificial love that's emulating Jesus. Remember, the greatest, the greatest evidence, the greatest act of sacrificial love we'll ever know is what Jesus did at the cross, willingly becoming a man, dying a horrible, torturous death, hanging naked on the cross, humiliated, and he gained nothing from this. He did it out of a complete sacrificial love that our sins would be forgiven, that we would not have to spend an eternity in hell under the wrath of our heavenly father, separated from him forever. It's, it's, the, it's the epitome. It's the, the greatest picture of a selfless sacrificial love that we'll ever know. Now, you know, for the vast majority of us, we won't be called on by our Heavenly Father to give our lives, although certainly Christians have over the centuries. But how are you? How am I living in this sacrificial love moment by moment, day by day? As far as myself, I believe I'm growing in it, but by no means do I, do I believe that I am where I ought to be. I believe I'm growing, that it's becoming more and more, quote, complete, but I, I can still see areas of just... Uh, of just selfish behavior, right? I've said this before, I want to do better. I'm convicted I need to do, to do better. I know the spirit of God is showing me, right? Where I need to be, to be more selfless and sacrificial in my love toward Jesus. What does that mean? Again, it means just obeying him, right? I mean, it's, it's hard. Sometimes we enjoy the things of this world and the hobbies of this world and I enjoy my football, right? And there's just, there's other things. And again, none of these things are bad, but more and more we want to live in a, in a selfless, sacrificial way. Now, if you're living in sin, that is bad, right? That's something that, that we need to repent over, right? Any sin in our lives. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we are like him. What is he saying here? This is, you know, he mentions this confidence on the day of judgment. The Apostle John here, and this is not something we talk a lot about in Christianity. There is a day of judgment, okay? In this way, love is made complete among us so that we'll have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. And what that's saying is two things. Number one, are you confident that you're a Christian today? If you're living in this growing and maturing and sacrificial love, where you're living in a, in a way that's devoted to Jesus and you're, you're growing in your walk with him, you're growing in your love toward him, you're growing in your sacrificial love to others, right? Obviously, we're not perfect, but you are growing more and more, then you can be confident that you are a Christian, that your Christianity is genuine, and that on the day of judgment, you know, you'll, you, you have no concern that when you stand before him, that he's going to say you weren't a Christian 
and you're going to be cast into hell. Okay. So one of the great benefits of growing and maturing and becoming more complete and whole and mature as a Christian and in your love is that you know that you are really saved. You're experiencing the presence of Jesus. You're growing to please him. You're growing to love him. You're growing to to want to be like him. You're growing to talk about him and speak about him and acknowledge him more and more, right? And in this way, love is made complete among us so that, here's the benefit, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Confidence that you're truly saved, right? And why? Because in this world, we are like him. Verse 17, because in this world, we have confidence in the day of judgment because in this world, we're trying to be like Jesus. We're trying to live a sacrificial loving, Christ-centered life more and more and more. We want others to know Jesus. We want to, the name of Jesus is, again, we're acknowledging Jesus is the Son of God because in this world, we're like him. The more we grow to be like Jesus, the more confidence we have that we're genuinely saved, okay? But now, for those who are saved, there's gonna be a, a judgment called the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat, where as Christians, right, um, we're saved. The judgment for our sin was put on Christ. That's not going to come up. But we will be judged for how we live our lives as Christians. And, and it's going to be a serious judgment. It's going to dictate not that we get to heaven, but it's going to dictate entirely our reward in heaven, how we experience heaven, our, our the closeness of our relationship to Jesus in heaven, the position that we're going to have in heaven. I've used these analogies before. If you're in the army, right, and, and you're a general in the army, and I'm a private, we're both in, but our experience is entirely different. If we go to the Dallas Cowboy game, right, um, America's team with... Uh, you know, with 100,000 fans and you're in the front row and I'm in the back, we're both in the game. But the experience of that game is, is completely different. You're on the field. You're there. You're experiencing it. And so, again, our reward in heaven will, will, will dictate, again, how we experience our in heaven, um, um, you know, our position in heaven, our responsibilities in heaven. Again, everyone will be content. But at this judgment, you know, um, you know we'll be shown the, the, you know, the, the way we lived our life. And for many, you know, we'll be, we'll see how many opportunities we missed and how we just, even though we were Christians, we didn't live our lives really for Jesus. And there will be a sadness at that point. And, and ultimately that sadness will take, will be taken away and we'll go on for eternity and we'll live content. But this judgment does matter. Again, it's not a judgment for salvation. It's a judgment for how we're living our lives, right? Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So beginning again, if you fear that you're not going to go to heaven, if you fear that, that, you know what, you may get punished and go to hell again, you're not certain that you're a Christian. Okay. You don't go to heaven. You don't get to heaven based on your love for Jesus or your love for others. You get to heaven completely, again, by trusting in the love of Jesus for you, trusting in what he's done on your behalf and in your place at the cross, trusting and believing that, yes, Jesus, the Son of God, God the Son, did enter this world for you, did live a perfect, righteous life on your behalf that you could never live, did die a torturous death 
on your behalf and my behalf that, that we should have died and that he is indeed alive and risen today. And you are literally clinging to him. Your full hope and trust is in reliance is on him alone for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, deliverance from the wrath of God, the father and to, and to, you know, and from eternal hell and to bring you to heaven when you die. Okay. You're trusting in Jesus entirely. Now, the way you can know that you're really trusting in Jesus entirely is that you have no fear of being punished for an eternity in hell. You don't you don't fear that you're going to go to that you're going to go to hell. You don't fear that your 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 profession of faith in Jesus is disingenuine. There is no fear in love. Again, if 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 you're living a life of love, you have confidence that you are a a real and genuine Christian and you have no concern that that you're going to, you know, that your father doesn't love you and he's going to throw you into hell. And you know that because you love him. The evidence of your profession of faith is a genuine love for your heavenly father and for Jesus and for the Holy Spirit and a genuine love that you can, that's verifiable in your love and concern for others that, that, that they would know Christ, that you're concerned for them. You pray for them. You want to, you want to help others. You want to be a blessing others. You want to live a sacrificial life, right? In service to Jesus and others. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Again, the more complete your love is, the more, the more you'll have no fear about your eternal destination. Because fear has to do with, with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So again, you may be confident today, and hopefully you are a genuine Christian and you're confident of your salvation, but how confident are you in, in your judgment when you stand before Christ to be judged, you know, books are going to be opened and Jesus is going to examine and go through how you lived your life for him as a Christian. And again, this Christian, this, this judgment won't determine you going to heaven. You're already there. This, this judgment will determine, again, your reward in heaven. How confident are you, right? Are you living your life in a, in a way that if you stood before Jesus today, that you're sure he would say to you, well done, good and faithful servant? Would he look at you in a way that that yes, you're saved, but are you living your life in a manner that you're, that is pleasing to him? Are you living your life in a way that's, that you know is growing in greater devotion to him? Or are you just someone that, yeah, you go to church on Sunday, but you have very little concern for Jesus, you know, the other six and a half days of the week. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. This, the more you walk in a, in a more devoted, sacrificial life of love toward Jesus and toward others, the less fear you'll even have of this judgment. Okay. So you may be someone that says, well, yeah, some of the guys in the group said, you know, I don't, I don't have fear over, uh, you know, over whether I'm going to heaven, I know that I'm saved, but yeah, no, I, I am concerned over my judgment when I stand before Jesus, because I, I want Jesus to I want, I want to have lived a life that's increasingly pleasing to him. I do, I do want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Um, remember, you don't get to heaven based on anything you've done or did. But again, your life for Jesus to say, well done, good and faithful servant, that's going to be on how you lived your life. Again, in the service to him and to his kingdom and for him as Lord and how you you grew in your devotion and love and looking to please him and our heavenly father and the holy spirit and how that how that walked out in your life and your sacrificial love 
uh, you know, to others, to your brothers and sisters in Christ and to everyone. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So again, you could look into your life today. If you're if you fear that you may not be in heaven, you want to go back to the foot of the cross. If you fear you may not be saved, you want to simply go back to the foot of the cross. Rewind to a few minutes ago where I talked about, again, you know, humble yourself before Jesus. Acknowledge that you are a hopeless, helpless, desperate sinner. Genuinely humble yourself before Jesus, acknowledging your desperate need of him and, you know, and call out to him, right? Proclaiming your full trust and reliance and faith in him alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. And if you're genuine in that, Romans 10, 13 promises, God has given his word. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not our words that save us, right? It's Christ that saves us, but we use our words to communicate our heart to him. So out of that place of knowing hopeless desperation, you call out to Jesus crying out to him for, him for him to save you from your sin, to deliver you from eternal hell and to bring you to heaven when you die, you will be saved. But now let's say you're someone who's not concerned about that. I'm not concerned about going to heaven, but I do still have some fear that I'm not living my life for Christ the way I ought. None of us are perfect, but you're like, yeah, I'm hardly doing anything or I'm doing a little bit, but there's definitely room for me to grow. And you have a little fear that if Jesus came back today, he wouldn't be, you know, You'd be saved, but you know he wouldn't be pleased with how you're living your life. Again, you want to repent. You want to go before him. This has nothing to do with your salvation, but to say, Jesus, I am. I ask you to forgive me. I'm sorry, Lord. I repent. I, I do have fear. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So again, if you fear that if Jesus came back today, you'd go to heaven, but mm, yeah, no, Jesus, Jesus would not be terribly pleased with my life right now, then again, the solution is to repent and to begin to live a more Christ-centered and other-centered life, right? All right. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us, okay? The reason we can love it all is because he first loved us. And again, the picture of that is the cross, right? Verse 20, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. All right. This is powerful. Verse 21. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. OK, so right here, it, it, you know, we're told that no one has seen God. All right. John has already told us that earlier. But now he says, if anyone says I love God yet hates his brother, he's a liar. So, again, if you claim to have this love for Jesus, but you have absolute hate in your heart, you wish someone was dead. You're not genuine in that profession. All of us have been wronged in certain ways and some in horrible ways. But again, we give that to Jesus. There ought not to be hate in our heart for our brothers and sisters, right? Again, we love because he first loved us. We didn't make the first move. Jesus made the first move to us. And because of his love toward us, and the more we understand it, the more we're able to love him and love others. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not. It's just a simple, you know, John has just given a simple rational fact. We don't see our heavenly father, Jesus or the Holy Spirit with our natural physical eyes. If, if we can't love people who are right in front of us, who we see and we see their needs, uh, how can we say we're concerned and, and want to give sacrificial love to our father 
into Jesus and the Holy Spirit when we're not doing that for people right in front of us. John says you're, we're deceived, right? For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, verse 21, whoever loves God must also love his brother. And this means brother and sister in Christ. So again, if you're proclaiming and saying that you do love Jesus, I love Jesus, then that ought to be evidence. That's a good thing. We ought to love Jesus by talking about him, love Jesus by living for him, pleasing him, obeying him, um, you know, looking to repent where we haven't. But the evidence of our love for Jesus should be in a consistent and growing sacrificial love for our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Wow. And he has given us this command. It's not a request, okay? Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Wow. Well, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. Father, we, we ask you to help us to have a more complete and perfect love. Father, we know that when you says perfect, we won't be perfect in this life, but it can be complete, Lord, that we would have a complete love, that we would not only not have fear of our salvation, but that we would not have fear when, that, uh, for our judgment when we stand before you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, we worship you and thank you. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this message to our hearts now, in Jesus' name, amen and amen.